Like right now, you're concentrating on your deeds, but your fruit is what lasts after you're gone. Every leader faces challenges on a daily basis, and the way we navigate those challenges can make a deep and lasting impact for time and eternity. We're helping leaders discover practical tools based on biblical principles and helping you create like-minded communities who will walk with you as you lead your organization to health. Welcome to the Healthy Leaders Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Hartzell. Very pleased to be with you and excited for another uh, very rich podcast. Uh, Today we're talking about short-term success versus eternal success. And I'm sure when you hear those two things, a lot of things come to mind. I know for me, when I thought, you know, heard that title, when Phil and I were talking through titles, that idea, short-term success versus eternal success, another way you could think of it is, you know, your your earthly legacy versus your eternal legacy. Um, you know, it, it puts a lot of ideas in my mind of what that means. And um, so today we're going to talk through specifically your business and what you do for work, what you do in the natural world, in your life, uh, in the temporary. And, you know, what impact does that have on the eternal? Uh, is there an impact in the eternal? Um, and, uh, and also, what's the point? You know, what's the point of all of it? I think these are all questions, especially uh, uh, in the recent months and, and year, last few years where the world has gone a kind of an uncertain route. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world. And so I know there's a lot of those kinds of questions out there. So I think this is a timely podcast. And we're going to try to make it conversational. You may hear my kids in the background playing. We are uh, in the day that we're recording here. We are about to experience a hurricane. And so everyone's been kind of tightening things up outside and all the kids are inside playing. So uh, if you do hear my kids in the background, that's what that is. So, um, But it is fun that we get to do, do this whole thing together as family. And I think family is really, really important. Big part of this podcast today is talking about the family too and you know, the legacy that we leave um, for our family. And so, Phil, that's a lot. That's a big setup. That's a lot, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, so in case Peter disappears, just know it's because the hurricane took him out. <laughs> it took me out, yep. <laughs> Unless Jesus is coming back. That's right. Well, hopefully, if that's the case, we're both gone at the same time, right? <laughs> yeah, and we'll both disappear. And yeah. if you're listening, you'll probably disappear, too. That's right, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So I want to go into this right away. Just jump in. There's a lot of notes here. And it was really born out of a lot of pain. There was a lot of uh, uh, miss, some wrong expectations that I had of what a faith-based company could do. So what I want to do is go into just, this is my opinion, my experience, and I could be wrong, but I'm just going to share my experience over 50 something years of doing this. And especially in the last seven or eight years of having a company that was specifically Christ-centered, biblically based. And what I want to talk about is what a Christ-centered, biblically based organization can and can't do. Mm. And this applies to any organization, whether it's a church or, or a business. So you've probably heard me say this before, I turned to God in desperation because the past that I came from, I had virtually no qualifications, no education, no confidence. And yet with a family of nine children that wanted to continue the business, 
I didn't know where else to turn. So I turned to God. I didn't know how to be over people. And I thought turning to the God of the Bible was my best shot at succeeding. So that's what I did. It's been a, a search. Sometimes I, I got it right. Sometimes I didn't. So I, I just want to start in uh, by saying I, I want to hold this up that my opinion is that the workplace could very well be the last mission field, America's last mission field for the gospel. <laughs> and I want to explain why. Because churches are becoming, in, in many ways, there's so much corruption in churches that there's no way of knowing. If you go to a church and you're a struggling person, there's no way of knowing whether you're coming into a church that's really healthy or a church that could have narcissistic predators leading it. You know, and, and, and because they both are going to present a good presentation and make you feel safe, they're going to attract you in. And so because of that, people are leaving the churches in masses and even good churches. I, I mentor a, a, a pastor in Honduras. He said people are tired of fake miracles. And so people aren't, they're not going to church. So even if they know they need to go to church, they really don't know which church to go to. Mm -hmm. And so the workplace is you're going to go to work anyways. And so when you come to work, you're, in some ways, you expect it to be corrupt. You expect it to be led sometimes by narcissists. You expect uh, workplace politics, workplace drama. So this is a, a place where you can actually flip this thing upside down and, and just take use biblical principles to run a business and just shock people. And, and, and it's good for business. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just a great, it's a great way to run a business. So what I want to go into, though, is while it's a great way to run a business, there are some illusions that I think that I lived with over the years of what the, what a Christian, uh, a Christ-centered, biblically-based company could do, and I found out it couldn't do it. So at least I couldn't get it to do it. So as far, I want to just uh, set, the, set the platform here that I believe Christianity happens in two places. That happens in our environment and in our hearts. So it could happen, Christianity, when you go to a good church where there's good teaching, Christianity is, you're just surrounded with it. You're like a fish in a water, in water that's just full of Jesus. Okay? And then it, it also happens in your heart. So if you, but let me, let me stay with this. In a business, if you come into a business that's biblically run, and it's run by, by leaders who are trying to become more Christ-like, and they're putting the employees and their families and their and the the, uh, the mission. They're putting the uh, the, the vendors, the the, um, the 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 customers, the community. They're putting everybody first, which is really how Sam Walton built Walmart. He put his employees first, his customers next, and he put himself last. And he succeeded, and that that's how it works. So Christianity happens there. Now here's the illusion. The illusion is that just because I'm in a Christian environment, I think I'm a Christian. Hmm. Wow. But what the Christian environment does is it gives me an opportunity to experience God. But it's still up to me whether I invite Jesus into my life or not. So there, there's the illusion. And we never required employees to be Christians. We did require them to respect the culture and, and honor it. And so one of the things I discovered as I was building our company 
And I took hundreds and hundreds of pages of notes. I spent hundreds of hours, sleepless nights, praying, reading the Bible, talking to others, looking for answers for how, how does God want me to do this? And as I did it, as I created a biblical framework for our company, I discovered that, that one leader could create an organization of practically any size and biblical principles and prayers. So I could do this and no one in the organization would have to be a Christian because everything, everything rises and falls in the leader. So I discovered that and I'm going, well, how can I, what can I do? Because my mission wasn't to build a Christian organization that would be successful. My mission was to create a Christian environment that would have, would actually lead people to follow Jesus. So, and you, I couldn't force it on people. So, so how could I do this? And, 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 and how could I, there, there were so many people that I, no matter how hard I tried, were following me and not, not Jesus. Wow. Like, like Francis Chan started a mega church in California and actually left the church. And he gave two reasons. He said, number one, people were quoting me more than they were quoting God. And number two, as I studied the life of Jesus, I realized that Jesus' church would be smaller than mine. <laughs> and so I, I never knew. I really didn't know. And it, was, it wasn't until actually I retired and, and left the company in, in the hands of other leaders. Uh, it's, it, it showed more who was there because they, they wanted to take advantage of a good company. And they were there for the job. And who was there because they really caught on and they wanted to follow Jesus. And, you know, Jesus confronted people that way. He said, you're following me because of the benefits. He said, you're following me because of the loaves and fishes. And he could be saying today, you're following me because you're getting a good job. You're, you're able to find good work. But he said, if you really want to follow me, you're going to have to become like me. And a lot of people turned away when that happened. Including the rich man. Yeah. yeah he, he turned away too. He was doing a lot of good. Yeah. And it was benefiting him in a lot of ways and doing good benefits you. Yeah. So I want to bring this in and I'm 72. I'm not going to be around much longer. So I'm not going to name any names. But the thing I discovered so often was I was in groups of business leaders that we would get together, we would pray, we would weep, we'd pray for our families, we'd be working on our character. And when we were in desperation, we, we sought God and he showed us how to build a business. And then there were some that once they started succeeding, and I'm talking about people who were making millions of dollars a year in net profits, then they started focusing on the thing that made them money and their families started falling apart. Their character fell apart. And, and they mainly focused on insulating themselves through increasing their riches rather than continuing to pursue God. And I think this happens way too many times. Uh, in Deuteronomy, the Lord warned Israel, and he's warning us. He said, when you finally get done fighting all these battles in the wilderness and in Canaan, and you finally have ended up in Canaan, and you settle down into a land where you're going to inherit things, you're going to you're going to you're going to get things that houses that you didn't build and vineyards that you didn't plant. Be careful that you don't forget God. Hmm. Yeah. And that's what happens. That is the big peril that happens right there. Hmm. So I could give examples, but I don't want to implicate anybody. Um, but I've seen this happen over and over, and I've told people when I coach them, 
the principles I'm going to teach you, a lot of the stuff I've learned through Harvard class type classes, Harvard case studies. I've learned it from the best authors, Jim Collins, Patrick Lencioni, John Cotter. And these are actual things that will make you succeed. The concern I have is I'm only going to mentor people who are willing to pursue God's definition of success. Because once you become successful, then you can leave God and say, thanks for getting me out of the pain. Now I'm going to start living in my own success. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm bringing this podcast because I have a deep, deep concern right now that maybe this will convict you if you're at the crossroad, or maybe you've gone beyond the crossroad, or you're tempted right now because your business is finally succeeding and you think you can sit back and rest. And I'm, I, I want to tell you that you need to keep pursuing God as hard as you can, even when it's in good times, whether it's good times or bad times. The, the, I, I started seeing a pattern in my life that I would go through really hard times and I'd pursue God as hard as I could. I'd be reading 10 chapters a day in the Bible. I'd be praying through scriptures all night. And I'd, just, I'd be fasting. I would just be doing everything I could to pursue God. And we'd get out of the crisis. And then things would level off and I would just ease up on pursuing God and I'd be more interested in the things that I was getting on the other side of the crisis, the wealth, the comfort. Mm -hmm. And so in about 2009, I finally caught on and I asked myself this question, what if I pursue God as hard as I can, no matter what I'm going through? So if you're only pursuing God hard, you're in a crisis right now. And that's where I help people who are in dire crisis and they're about to lose their company and I can help them turn it around. But my, my concern is that, that you, once you turn it around, that you're going to continue pursuing God as hard as you did when you were in the crisis. I, you know, I'm thinking about this, this hurricane that's coming and there's a lot of preparation the last couple of days as I drive around town, a lot of people preparing and generators and water and food and things like that are sparse. And, uh, you know, all these, we know the storm's coming, so we prepare, we do everything we can to prepare. Then what happens after the storm? You're, you're going to see a lot of generators for sale, people that, yeah. you know, that didn't need them or ended up being, up, you know, you're going to see a lot of people kind of kicking back because the storm is gone. And uh, a lot of times, you know, we, I heard, I was listening to the governor talk yesterday and he said a lot of times the, the majority of the deaths and the loss that happens uh, from a hurricane is not a result of the storm itself. It's actually in uh, the wake of the storm. People, you know, CO2 poisoning from generators running in the garage or, you know, someone driving through a flooded roadway and drowning or whatever. There's mm-hmm. the, the, the likelihood of a, of a dangerous or perilous event after a storm like this is much more likely if you're not still diligent you know you don't see you, you right after the storm and so i think that's kind of what you're talking about is is a being prepared being being ready know where you're going know what's coming but then but then in the in the wake of it when things pass you by don't let off the gas you know mm-hmm. why and how, how would you say like i mean and this is obviously we're talking about in the business uh, world but this also is is a personal kind of a style of living, you know, the way you live your, your whole life. Yeah, well, I just finished a call with a, a young business owner, and it, it suddenly dawned on him that that his workplace is the same as his life. Yeah. 
And oh, oh yeah, the same God I pursue outside of work, I can pursue inside of work. Mm-hmm. So, so bless are the people who are prepared when the storms come, because they will come. Mm-hmm. Old age will come. People are going to die. You're going to go through downturns. In fact, I heard a really great message that the best thing to do when you're in a downturn is start preparing for the next one. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so there's a couple of things that we can't do with a business. There's several things. And I just want to hit on a few of them. One is you cannot bring your business into eternity. Your business is a temporary vehicle. You might say it's a, an arc. It's a vehicle. It's an airplane. It's a ship, whatever you want to call it. It's a temporary vehicle to carry us through this life. But so you're going to be in life anyways, and you're going to be in a business anyways. You might be in a church anyways. So you can either invite God into the business or leave him out. That's your two choices because you're going to be doing it anyways. You don't have to go to church, but you are going to go to work. So if you're a business owner, you can invite him in or leave him out, but you're still going to have to work. You're still going to be a business owner. So those are, those are two of the things uh, that, uh, that I, I realized. You know, I, I came to God because I was desperate. I didn't think I could succeed. But, but then, then I had uh, a, a lot of wake-up calls that I learned painfully, and sometimes through hurting people, through trial and error. And I, can't, uh, I, can, I can bring people into the business who enjoy the benefits, but I can't enforce them to come to God. I can't force them. Um, I can enforce that they behave in a way that's, that is like what's good for business, which is the Bible is good for business, but I can't force them to come to God. The next thing I can't do is the people, the next generation who takes the business, I can't force them to embrace our walk with God. And you see over and over in the Kings, the same pattern that you have a godly king and then you have an ungodly son. Then you have a godly son, ungodly son. It's pretty rare to have two godly kings in a row. There's a couple of them, but it's extremely rare. The next thing I can't do, and, and, and listen closely to this, I can't create something that lasts beyond God's expiration date. And so, and, and so when God says it's time for this not to be a faith-based company anymore, or maybe to not even be a company anymore, I, I can't create something that's going to last beyond that. And, and that's what's happened, I believe, in a lot of denominations. I see a lot of denominations that started out, and companies too, that started out on fire for God. But look at where they are today. Ivy League schools, the same thing. You've mentioned that before. Yeah. The Ivy League schools started as Bible schools. Look where they are today. So what I can't do is I can't create something that will last beyond God's expiration date. I can't create something that will last beyond me that's still going to be godly. It might last beyond me, but it may not be godly because it depends on the people that are running it. So if the picture I get, and I, I, I'm just taking my best shot at what this looks like, but as God looks down, how many people in the company are truly living in the kingdom? Because that's the flame, that's the leaven. So when you have enough people who are following the leader, are, are enough people who are following God in the company, the fire will continue. But when you don't, the fire is going to go out. And so that's when, when, when the leader leaves, that's the true test. 
of whether the, the people were following the leader and company benefits or they were following the Lord. And a lot of times you don't know until that happens. Hmm. I've seen so many succession plans fail where the leader would appoint a successor who did not, the leader didn't understand what it was he was doing that was causing the organization to succeed. I've seen so many churches and so many businesses fail that way. And so you, when, when, it, when a business goes beyond the founder, it's extremely high risk that it's going to make it as a, as a Christ Center company. Can you give an example of a company that was uh, where a succession plan worked well and you know, where the successor actually picked up the baton and ran with it and did even greater things? I think Hobby Lobby is doing it, and I think um, Chick-fil-A is doing it. Okay. But I can't be sure without getting into the internal operations because they could still be holding up an external image, external facade. But I can't, um, I can't be sure. I know Walmart didn't. We worked for Walmart when Sam was still alive and they put people first. Immediately after he died, they put profits first. And we saw a complete difference in their culture. And it was all about, in, in the early days when we worked for Walmart, I was friends with some of the executives at Walmart, and it was, it was for business purposes, but they always wanted to know, are we happy? Are we making enough money? Are we happy with how things are going? But immediately after Sam died, things completely turned around. And, and I have a friend who teaches culture in big organizations, and even he says a lot of the earlier employees say, what happened? And so, so Walmart, they lost their culture after Sam died. So that, that's one. There's others that I don't, I, I, in a public podcast, I, I'm not going to mention. I've just seen it happen so many times in both churches and uh, in companies. I saw a church fall because uh, they appointed leaders who didn't have the same vision. They didn't have the same heart for God. And and so it, it just more often than not, uh, you look at uh, Joshua and the book of Joshua and the leaders that outlived Joshua were faithful. But beyond that, they turned away from God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about this subject because I, it was some of the illusions that I believed. So I want to talk about in my best observation, what is in, in a business that's eternal and what in a business is not eternal? And so the thing that's eternal is what happens in the secret hearts of the people. So the other day I was eating a peach, and it suddenly dawned on me why the Bible calls it fruit, why we're supposed to bear good fruit. The peach was sweet, and, and, and it felt good, uh, and it was nutritious. And so fruit comes from the root system of a tree, the health of the tree. So when, when the thing that I do with my life, it depends on what is going on in the parts of my life that people can't see. And if, if what's going on, it, like if I'm tempted to, to, to look at a woman, if I'm tempted to overeat, if I'm tempted to not forgive somebody, in my secret heart, if, that, if I make a godly choice, that produces nectar in my spirit, godly nectar in my spirit. That's where I'm tied to the branch. I'm tied to the main branch, the vine, Jesus. And the nectar comes through. And what comes out of my life is going to be tasty and nutritious. But I can't fake that. I can't create that through fabricating myself. So what happens in my secret heart is is eternal. 
And and what uh, happens in businesses is not eternal. That's the money. The money in a business is not eternal. The business itself is not eternal. Uh, the businesses, the great businesses today could be gone in 10 years, 50 years, 100 years. I mean, how many great businesses were there 50 years ago that don't exist? Our products and services, they will become obsolete. Uh, you can think of uh, a lot of products and services like transistor radios, 8-track tape players uh, that are obsolete now. So those things are are not eternal. Uh, the thing that's eternal is healing. So, so the Holy Spirit comes in, God comes in, and as I obey God, I get healed from my inner woundedness. Um, in, in, in the temporal world, people are always getting offended. We're always getting wounded. In, in the eternal world, we're forgiving people. We're looking to Jesus and letting our thoughts obey him rather than our wounds. So we're healing. Uh, in the eternal world, there's people who love each other for who they are because they're created. In the temporal world, there's people who are friends and love each other because what they can get. So you find that out when they stop getting it. There's people who are friends. I, I, I lamented after I retired, at, and I told my wife, I said, wish, I wish there was somebody who just loved me for who I am. Because I discovered there are so many people who love me because I was giving them second chances and helping them find great careers. And, and my wife, my dear wife, put her hand on my hand. She said, I do. And, and since I've left, I've discovered there are people who actually love people who, for who they are. I think Peter and I have a relationship like that. You know, we love each other for who we are, not for what we can get from each other. Uh, I have a few friends. I've got about a dozen friends like that, and I'm rich because of that. I think a lot of people don't have that. But that is eternal. It's people who love each other for who they are. And, and then what's temporal, I'm going to skip over to the temporal, and it's obeying God only when it makes sense for earthly success. So um, like, like giving, like giving to causes, like being generous. Um, but people who, who obey God's ways regardless of the earthly rewards, that's eternal. So it's giving like what we did during covid and everybody was losing money. We were too. And we stood up and we gave every employee a thousand dollar gift because we wanted to suffer with them. And, and so, but people will say, my Christianity stops here and you're on your own. And, but in, in the eternal, it's my Christianity doesn't stop anywhere. And so th this is one is really deep. And, and that is, and I learned it from the book of Galatians. My, my emotions and my mind and my body, those are mine. And in the end, those are going to, they're not going to live forever. But what will live forever is what I allow God's spirit to do with my mind, body, and emotions. Now, that's a deep one, and it, it could take some a while to unpack. But when my spirit listens to God's spirit, and then my spirit tells my mind, body, and emotions to obey God. That's eternal. But when I listen to my mind and my body and emotions, that is not eternal, and that's going to perish. So the other thing that's eternal is the seeds that I've sown into people's lives. And 
so I've, I've endeavored to, to sow good seeds. So there's two things that I believe that we must have as humans and especially as leaders. We must, number one, be good soil. Because so many times it, it gets revealed some great leader who did great things. And in, in the backside of his life, on the backstage, he's got this moral compromise. He's got addictions. He, he's got his own agendas. So we need to be good soil and we need to sow good seeds. So that's eternal, that I'm good soil and that God is growing in me no matter what happens, no matter what, how people treat me, what happens with my mind, my body and emotions and, and the seeds that I've sown into the other people's lives. What I, is, is not eternal is what people do with the seeds I've sown to them. Hmm. So, so in the parable of the sower in Mark 4, Jesus gets into that, that a sower sowed and there were four kinds of soil. And one kind of soil was, it just landed on the surface. And these are people who maybe go to church, they sit through a sermon, and, and, the, and then they go home and watch the football game, and they, whatever, whatever they do when they leave. But none of it really soaked in. The second, the second one is the people who say, wow, that was really good. I'm going to do that. I'm going to obey God. But then when it gets painful and it costs them something, then they turn away. It says when temptations come hmm. and, and affliction comes, and they say, no, I just want a God, a God that's painless. <laughs> so the third soil is, is the ones that I'm talking to right now, the third, it, that I, I want to a, a appeal to you that you may have been the person who took the, the God's teaching in and you prayed hard and you've been through a tremendous amount of suffering and you stayed faithful to God. So what happens, then you become prosperous. And then it says the, the third soil is that the riches and cares and pleasures of this life become weeds and choke it out. So you've been through the suffering, and now you got this great ministry, you got this great business, this great whatever, this great life, and then you become distracted by the, the wealth and the success that it produces. And, and so then you stop, you stop following God. You stop doing godly things. You only do it when you go to church, token gestures, you do the bare minimum. You just kind of put your spiritual life on auto autopilot, on cruise control. And, and, and But your, your primary thing that you're pursuing is that wealth that came from doing business God's way. The, so the, the, fourth, the fourth type of ground is those who bear good fruit no matter what they go through. They can go through hard times. They can go through suffering. Jesus said there's going to be times when your entire family turns against you. There's going to be times when the government turns against you. There's going to be times when you're going to have to change habits in you. It's, I think one of the most painful types of suffering is when I have to change a character flaw in me that I've had for years. And God's saying it's time to get rid of that because it's not benefiting you or your family or the people around you. But there's a lot of different types of suffering. There's suffering for righteousness sake, but the different types of suffering. But when we reach that third soil level, then we just say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to cash out. I'm just going to enjoy this. And I'm going to throw money at my problems, but I'm going to insulate myself. But Jesus said that the ones who suffer all the way through, who are willing to allow Jesus to grow their character and change their character, even though they're successful and they don't need any more money, they don't need any more 
recognition. They don't need any more friends. But those are the ones that are are uh, those are the ones that are going to be eternal. Hmm. Well, I just took this trip to back to Nashville to do uh, for a, a job, and uh, I listened through the book "Loving Monday" by John Beckett, which you've recommended several times, and I was actually surprised at. Um, all of the parallels, I realized how much, you, you know, how much you really took from that. Mm-hmm. And for anyone, for all of you listening to this podcast, I highly recommend going, whether you read books or listen to books, I listen to books because I'm dyslexic and reading is, my reading comprehension is very low. But when I listen to a book, I can, you know, retain it. It's designed for two 90 minute flights, which is exactly pretty much what I had. So I listened to the first half on the way to Nashville and then the second half on the way home. And you know, if you want to understand, you know, in a, in a real world scenario, you can look at Phil, you can look at John Beckett, you can, you know, go through that book and understand, you know, how and why this is all important and, and, and that it is possible. And uh, you, you can have a, a Christ centered business, you can have a Christ centered life, you can do things the way that God designed for them to be done and have a fulfilling life. I mean, it is the most fulfilling life, but like you're saying, Phil, you have to be good soil. And if you're good soil, then those seeds have time to germinate and the roots have, have uh, room to grow deep and to produce that good fruit that you're talking about. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there, that, that, that book loving Monday by John Beckett is a great place. Another, another source for, for someone to go to and, yeah. Another place you can go is if you do a search for John Beckett, B-E-C-K-E-T-T, and then and add Peggy Waymeyer, W-E-H-M-E-Y-E-R, and you're going to find a video there called Loving Monday. It's about 22 minutes long, and it's going to have some kind of oriental subtitles. But that was a, a video that I watched. I have DVDs of it, but... Well, and I'll, I'll go ahead and put the link in the show notes too. So if you want to find that, go to the show notes and I'll have the link for that video. In there. So you might say that the, the main purpose of, and I think we're starting to wind down, um, the main purpose of a business is it's a vehicle to help lead people to God. And there's no guarantee that it's going to lead people to God, but it's it's giving people an opportunity to find God. And we 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 found that there are many people, there's many, many like former felons and drug addicts and just, just broken people who, who have been hurt by churches. And, but if they go to work and, and they're surprised by love because here's a workplace where they're truly loved and you're bringing out the best in them and their lives are changing, their families are changing a lot. Sometimes these people will come to Jesus and after they come to Jesus, they're going to start looking for a church home. So that's what happened with a lot of them is a lot of them would start attending church after they got to know Jesus through the everyday life of the workplace. Hmm. So we're not we're not trying to lure people away from churches. What we're trying to do is, like I said before, when you go to the eye doctor, you cover one eye Hmm. and look at the eye chart. We're trying to get people to cover their church eye and read the Bible and see how it applies to everyday life Hmm. and then apply it. It's like it's like. People, I think it's like people in America think, oh, if I want to be a Christian, I just go to church. Yeah, right. But, but what about go to church, 
read the Bible, understand the Bible, and do what it says. <laughs> I mean, novel idea, right? We should write a book about that. <laughs> that's a good. That's what a novel. What a great idea. What a novel idea. Yeah, yeah. Go to church, read the Bible, understand the Bible, do what it says. Church is a great place to to learn the Bible. It's also a great place to meet people who want to get to know God. But ultimately, what you want to do, what you're ultimately trying to do, is not go to church. You're ultimately trying to get to know God. So, in whatever way the church can help you know God. Mm. Well, and how many pastors are out there that are frustrated with their congregations? Because, I mean, I, I remember growing up hearing my pastor, youth pastor, even say, "It's not my job to to be a Christian for you. You know, it's just my job to show you." show you the way and then you live it, you walk it out. And right. some pastors are more charismatic than others, but I know that, you know, if, if, if people in the church did this, the, the, we would have less issues with toxic leadership because at least the congregation would be hungry, would be pursuing God daily, you know, in, in every aspect of their life, loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, loving your neighbor as yourself, that, that would translate into healthy churches. And that's the place that right. people would want to be. Yeah. And for just to, to support the, the good godly church leaders out there mm -hmm. is you're not going to, you're not going to get a full spectrum of what it's like to live for God just by what you learn in church. Right. So you need other things. You need small groups of people who trust each other, who open up to each other, you need the Bible study, you need places where you can apply the Bible. So the more of that you can get, the better. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying to poke out your church eye at all. I'm saying, what about everyday life? Hmm. So a couple of revelations I had um, as I was pondering selling our company and um, handing it over to my younger sons and what are they going to do with it? And I just struggled with, well, what if they don't? What if they don't keep Christ in the center? Because it's their choice now that they've bought the company. And, and so God reminded me, as I was tormented by this thought, he reminded me, he said, think about the lineage from Abraham to David. And so there wasn't a family business. And, and I that was one of my illusions. I thought, if, man, if I could create a family business that a Christ-centered family business that went for generations, I could leave a, a godly legacy of, of many generations of godly family members. And, and, that, and while that might help, if you think of Abraham to David, yeah, they were herdsmen, many of them were into agriculture, but it wasn't the family business that the Bible talks about. It was Abraham's unwavering faithfulness to God. It was his faith not his family business that carried through. So if you're struggling right now and you either don't have a family business or you have a family business that maybe the next generation didn't carry it on or uh, if you're struggling to know if it's going to make it, just take heart. It's, it's your faith, your unwavering faithfulness in God that's going to last for generations. And, and so th then God said, now think about from David to Jesus, almost to Jesus, there was a family business. And the family business was kingship. They were all kings. You know, like for some families, it's being a doctor. For some, it's a mortician. For some, it's being a pastor or a missionary. 
So the family business with David, from David almost to Jesus, was kingship. And you see there, they had a family business that made it from generation to generation. The, 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 the family business succeeded, but the faithfulness wasn't in every generation. And so it was an individual decision. So I, I want to um, end with a couple of thoughts. One is that there was a young man who worked for us, who came to work for us. He had been a, in prison. He had been a drug addict. And, uh, and, and I had a lot of classes where I was mentoring people, trying to help them understand their potential. And, and so in one class, he mentioned his grandparents being godly people. Now, this young man, he had been an addict. If I'm not mistaken, his, his father was a recovering addict who died in a recovery center. I think his mother was an addict, if I'm not mistaken. But this young man, his grandparents were godly people. And, and I could see in him, if you would just tap into that, his faithful grandparents, that, that his life would blossom. And it did. He rose in the, up the ranks. He was chosen to be a leader in the company. He actually told us it was the longest he ever held a job, but he was also a manager in the company. And he's, 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 in, he's set up. He's got a great family, great wife and children, set up for a long career right now. He's a beloved person because of the faith of his grandparents. And so you really don't know what seeds you're sowing, even if you think nobody notices. So I want to I want to finish with this that that whether you're visibly running a faith-based company, which is what I help people do, or whatever it is, just know that 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 always what you think is unseen and unknown in your faithfulness is sowing seeds into the future generations, and you may never know. Uh, Thomas, uh, I'm sorry, Henry Nouwen writes that the fruit of a person's life doesn't really produce until after he's gone. Hmm. Like right now, you're concentrating on your deeds, but your fruit is what lasts after you're gone. Hmm. So good. So, and for those of you that don't have, I mean, for, for people listening that don't have godly families, they don't have godly examples, they don't have godly parents, you you know, that that can feel like you're doing it alone. In fact, I know I know a few people that, are following God and their families are not. They're far from God. In fact, when they go home, it's, it's there's a lot of tension there because of because of that fact. And yeah. so, so that is where your church and your pastor and and other godly believers and people. That's why it's so important to get involved with other people that are serving God. You know, connect with us through this Healthy Leaders organization. And you know, if you have a problem, if you're feeling alone, you're feeling lonely, reach out to us and. And, and, you know, we can either connect you with people in your area or, or Phil can walk with you. And that's the amazing thing about this, this whole idea is, is doing it together, you know, doing it with you. That, that's what we would do primarily is help you connect with people in your area. Mm -hmm. The first thing I do when I come into a trouble company is I help them determine what is your core leadership team, not based on your, your competencies or your resumes, but based on trust. Who mm. do you trust? And I have them form a core team of maybe three or four people. And then I teach them how to walk together and how to make good decisions together. Mm. So again, I'm, I'm just pushing it away from me and teaching them how to do it. That's what you need. You don't need somebody who's far away. I mean, you can, but ultimately, if you have somebody who's close, 
I have a group of men that I've been meeting with for about two years now. And we, we just unpack whatever's going on in our lives. And, and so great, great organizations are run by teams of great leadership teams that have been doing it for a long time. If you look behind every great organization, church, or church, you're going to see a great team that's been working together for a long time. They have been co-creating in the spirit of love, this organization. So when I ran Cohen Woodworking, the name, the, the location, uh, everything we did was a, a labor of love that we did together. And, and the money followed. The <laughs> money, the fame, the power, the influence followed. But it was fundamentally a labor of love that we, I and my family did together with some of our leaders. And so if you can create an, an inner team that's, that's laboring in love to create excellence in every aspect of your business, that's where you want to start. You can do that with me, without me. Uh, there's people out there that can help you do that. But that's the main thing that you want to do. That's so good. That's that's such a great, great way to wrap up this podcast. And I, I just want to encourage you, if you do want to uh, learn more, or talk at least talk through some of your struggles with Phil and see if maybe he can help you find a solution, if you go to healthy-leaders.org and you can click the link to schedule a call with Phil and uh, or, or you'll send an email to Phil and then he'll read through it and, and schedule a time to meet with you. And uh, so that would be great. Uh, and uh, that's why this whole thing is here. That's why this podcast, the, this website, the whole thing that we built out, it's all here to give you a, a, a lifeline, a resource, a place that you can go to ask for help from someone that's been where you need to go. They've been, you know, Phil has been in the depths, he's been in the trenches and he's been on the mountaintop and he knows, he knows it all very well. And so he can commiserate with you and then he can help lift you out and, and give you hope, give you direction. And that, I think that's a good thing. So go to the website, reach out to Phil. I think it's, you know, anybody can, can uh, benefit from that. So yeah, listen to, listen to the podcast too. Yeah, definitely go through and listen to the podcast. I would also encourage you to go through our foundation series, which we, we recorded a couple of years ago, so a few years ago. Uh, and uh, we basically go through the, the whole story arc of Cohen Woodworking, all where he, Phil came from and uh, how he achieved some success within the company. And then even into the exit strategy, we recorded most of that before when I think you were still with Cohen through the entire recording of that series. Um, and it's a, for those of you running organizations, it's a great way to understand, you know, and maybe you'll see some, some, some things that Phil did that you could do too, or duplicate. Maybe some roadblocks that you're facing are similar to roadblocks he was facing and maybe some, some tools to, to work through. So yeah, definitely yeah. take advantage of all that stuff on the website. I, I think all we're trying to do is if you're struggling maybe help you get through your struggle a little faster. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. In fact, in the beginning, we were talking about calling the organization Struggling Leader because that's who we want to help is struggling leaders become healthy leaders. That's, that's, the, that's the ticket there. So thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast today. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Leaders Podcast as we journey together toward healthy biblical leadership. If you're facing a particular challenge in your organization, please visit healthy-leaders.org. We would love to help you lead your organization to health. Thank you.